welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith, and thank you for listening. David uh, is not here. He is down at Comic-Con, going to the various panels, standing in lines, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I haven't been in quite some time. I'm envious. I would love to go. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been too long and, and, uh, maybe next year, but in the meantime, uh, oh, and actually before we move on, I should, uh, thank Sean Cullen and Bill Dwyer for being on the show. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Even if the episode was a little bit shorter, just because, uh, we got a late start due to technical difficulties, but, uh, but hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Uh, so as of, uh, as of today, uh, or as for today, uh, we have a, a guest that is an old friend of mine. Um, and at this point, I feel like if I have an old friend that I talk movies with, they've been on either this show or more than one lesson. There is one glaring exception to that, and that is our guest today. Um, I, uh, met him in Chicago. We've kept up since then. Uh, we've traveled multiple times. We we've trotted the globe since then we've acted together. He is a master of the French horn. That's what I think. Um, and his name is Scott Cupper. Scott, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Good. So, uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, now, I think of you, okay, so you're, you're a stage actor, at least you've been a stage actor. I don't know that you do much of it anymore, right? Um, but, uh, but there was a time when you were, man, you couldn't throw a rock in Chicago in a, in a theater setting without hitting you square in the jaw. <laughs> yes. Uh... Yeah, that was that was that was a time in my life. Um, it has since, uh, I guess, time has an age. Speaking of old friends, uh, has sure. caught up with me and just don't have quite the time that I used to. But um, yeah, I was doing it all the time. I was on stage all the time. Uh, so, and uh, you know, there's a part of me that misses it. But sure, you know, here we go. Yeah, it's. Uh... There aren't, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, it's been so long since I've done it that I know people or I've met people who've known me since I stopped. Uh, and so yeah. when, you know, if we're making jokes and I do an accent or something, uh, there will be people like, oh, that was pretty good. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got know, that in my repertoire. I, I can do that. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. No, I feel it's, the same way. You mentioned French horn. That's that's how I am about French horn. Like I don't even think you. Uh, no, you didn't know me when I really played. Yeah, like, when I you were really rocking it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, playing all those 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 gigs and those the club. Uh, <laughs> oh, the the French horn scene in Chicago. It's 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 crazy. It's not what it used to be, but it's crazy. no, certainly not since since I left. That's not true. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I, the music was my life. I thought I was going to be a concert hornist and uh, that just I burned out um, in college. And so there's a whole aspect of my life that, you know, my wife doesn't even really 
she knows I play. She gets mad when I play because she's always worried about the neighbors hearing. Oh, uh, yeah. She's very. She's always very concerned about the neighbors. Um, so uh, we got a new dog, and she's like, "Oh no, they're going to hear the dog and all that oh, sort boy. of stuff." So, um, but yeah, so that's that's a whole other portion of my life that you know was before Chicago, and then I moved to Chicago and then did theater, and now um, I have coworkers who are like, "You act?" And they're like, "Yes, I did. I did." Yeah. And so, and you and I acted together. We uh, did. I totally forgot about that, but yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> thing. Like, and not, and not like only once or twice, like a lot, a lot. Um, yeah, no, because we did all those sketches too. Yeah. Skits. It's, it's, skits thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Pardon me. And you know what, if it goes the other way, if somebody calls a sketch, a skit, I will usually say, well, it's a sketch more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. Because uh, when you're an asshole, these are the things you have to do to really keep that going. You gotta um, keep people in line. <laughs> yes, that's a big. That's a big part of it. Um, that may be the part of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and if it isn't, it quickly will be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so uh, yeah, Scott and and I, we went to uh, the same church, and we were part of like this this drama organization. Um, and uh, so we did like these various skits. There was basically one like every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we like found ones that uh, that already were written, but we tended to most enjoy when we would write things ourselves. Yes. Um, and, and, and try and get them past the past the censors. Uh, yeah. We're always trying to push the envelope a little bit. Yeah, our uh, our Marlon Brando, Joe Pesci, uh, Robert De Niro sketch never, oh, never came to fruition. Yeah, <laughs> and they were right. They were right not yeah. to do that one. <laughs> yeah, I won't um, always say. Yeah, yeah, that, that it, was probably for the best. Uh, just a confused, uh, <laughs> you know, audience of churchgoers just staring like I don't know. You and I, boy, we had a, we had a lot of laughs uh, <laughs> as we were writing that thing, though. Yeah, because. It was rooted in the idea that like there was you, me, and this other guy, Jim, you could do a De Niro, I could do a Brando, and he could do a Pesci. And it's like, that's what we've got. What can we do? And uh, and and we essentially decided that like Marlon Brando is just going to say the most ridiculous things. And so like there was this one moment where he's talking about how much he loves Rod Steiger and he he saw that man pick a daisy once and it was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen uh i believe that was you i think you're the one who decided that pick a daisy is yeah. like just the the height of beauty for marlon brando but uh but anyway so uh so yeah it's nice to reminisce about about those yeah. days um but uh but yeah so but that's not what we're here to talk about All i right? hope Pe- not because uh it's probably going to alienate more people that's the idea Oh, okay. It's been 801 episodes. If they are not alienated by now, they are in it to win it. Um, Yeah. It's it's, so it is crazy that it's taken. I don't blame you at all. Like it's 800 episodes, and I listened to the I listened from the get go. You sure did. Uh, That is a lot of commitments. You know a lot more about me than I know about you. Well, that's true. Just uh, that that's that's generally true for most people. Uh, that's true. In, you in do life, keep yes. things pretty close to the chest. Yes. Yes. But, um, yeah, no, I've done a lot of listening. And so, uh, just to 801, it's just congrats, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it's, 
I remember um, I was I was texting with someone the other day and they and they hadn't uh, a friend and, and they hadn't listened to the show. And I said, well, I've got and they said, I, I'm, I'm interested. And I said, like, oh, well, I've got good news for you. There are thousands of hours for you to hear. Um, and that's probably true. Because each yeah. episode is not only an hour. We don't have a solid 800 hours. Some of them no. are four hours, uh-huh. uh, you know. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot to a lot to draw from. And uh, certainly I, I'll, I'll say thank you to everybody who uh, who's listened. Um, really, even whether you started at the beginning like Scott or, or you watched the, or you, you started listening, you know, maybe two or three years ago, that's, that's fine too. So uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. And uh, we did want to tell everyone that, um, that we do have a, a Patreon. Uh, we talk, we've talked about it before, but uh, frankly, I really, I'm often very proud of the stuff that we do on the, on the Patreon. I feel like it's a nice, it really is a nice supplement to the show. So if you like the show, I think you will really like the Patreon as well. It's just, you know, there's a new episode every week. It's usually about 45 minutes. Um, and, uh, yeah. And there are different, uh, tiers in which you can subscribe. There's the swabby tier where you pay $2 a month and you get one of those episodes. There's the, uh, uh, petty officer tier where you get every, uh, episode, uh, specifically the audio. Then there's the Admiral tier where you get the audio and you get the video. If you want to see David and I sitting and talking, which apparently some people do. So good for you. You know, it's, it's not that visually dynamic. Um, I try to, I do actively find myself, Scott, I feel like, again, as an actor, specifically mm-hmm. a stage actor, I feel like you could appreciate this. When we are doing the Patreons, and I know that that there's a camera going on, I do instinctively gesticulate more because yeah. I feel like I need to make it yeah. v- visually yeah. interesting. Absolutely. So, that makes sense. But uh, my version of cheating out to the audience, I guess. Um, but anyway. And uh, <laughs> Yeah. Just always like in that. What was it? Talladega Nights. Tell like, I, don't know, to, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. And they just, they just slowly rise into frame. Oh, it's the best. Um, Talladega Nights being a movie that if I recall, as a 2006 movie, um, if I recall correctly, that was like your favorite movie of that year, at least for, for a time, you really I, loved it. And I, I can't blame you. It's very good. Yeah. I, I, like, they came out at the perfect time. I think both um, for me and for, where the biopic was at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen Walk Hard. I think that came out afterwards. Yeah, I think, but I, I think 2007, 2000. Yeah, but I think, so the way I've heard people talk about Walk Hard is that it, it eventually becomes its own, like it, it lampoons itself so much that it becomes like actually a heartfelt. Like yes. Talladega Nights is, it lampoons, but is able to be ridiculous through to the end credits. And yes. I just needed, I was so sick of i i have always 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 hated formulaic i hated uh i learned to hate the hardy boys early because i was like each chapter is going to end on a cliffhanger yeah um and they're going to solve the case great as soon as i figured that out like i hated wiley coyote and the roadrunner um i was just smart enough i yeah this is me. I was just smart enough to know, understand the formula, but not sophisticated enough to understand that that was part of it. But like, so I just like, there was a long period of time where I was just like, wow. I hate this. I know what's going to happen. Boo. Like, yeah. And so 
What a sad childhood you must have had. Do you realize how much shit for kids is based on a formula? Yeah, no, I, and I just, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I never wanted to, um, even in my personal life, I'll find like, if I have a catch, if I develop like a catchphrase or something that people know me for, like eventually I'll just turn my back on it and like, nope, that's been going too long. I can't, can't do that. Gotta, gotta keep them guessing. You're like that um, character from Adaptation, where uh, when he falls, finds himself like falling in love with something too much, he just completely turns on it. I am curious yeah. though, what is a catchphrase in your life, in your real life? I really haven't had one recently, uh, but uh, this is going to be, uh, I'm so sorry, everyone. This is going to sound insufferable, but um, I, in college, throughout college, before you knew me, Tyler, mm-hmm. um, I would say fare thee well when I oh yes I remember I, I remember yeah. that being a, so, so yeah. an occasional thing yes yeah. yes it was occasional it ju- I just grew out of it I was just like nope that's it's time to time to move on well also here we go I I, I made decisions and I've always made decisions in my life like mm-hmm. I apparently stopped sucking my thumb because I decided I shouldn't anymore no one told mm-hmm. me to and then the biggest one of the biggest decisions in my life was I don't know I was very young I remember walking up my stairs and looking like out the window <clears throat> and thinking, you know what? It's going to be easier for me if I go along with my parents than go against them. And that has like set the course for my entire life from that moment um, for better and for worse. That- as, a, as a parent, I will say uh, on one hand, I would love if the kids just decided one day to do that. On the other hand, I would be terrified that uh, that they just like, oh, they they could they could just as easily decide. I think murder. I think murder sure. is the thing to do today. Sure. Yeah. There, there's absolutely the the flip side of that. Um, yeah. Thankfully for my parents and everyone involved, um, I chose I chose good you, over evil. <laughs> you're choosing life every day. Um, yeah. I like the idea of your parents walking into your room at age five and and they see like a big list a big board with like pros and cons of, of thumb sucking. And it's like, oh, there's, there's more, there's more cons. I can't, let's, I can't do uh, this. Let's hope he comes out on the right side of this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, Talladega nights, I was sick of the biopic conventions mm-hmm. and I just went in, you know, expecting a Will Ferrell movie and, and the level that it was working on was exactly what I needed at that time, which was, it was not what I needed, but what I, what I wanted, which is, you know, kind of a theme for me in movies as well. Like I'll sometimes go in expecting one thing and I won't get it and I'll be disappointed. But then I go in later to another movie. I'm like, that's what I was looking for. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's and that's something that uh, it's been so interesting watch looking at, at re- maybe not reviews, but people commenting about like the new Thor movie <laughs> or about uh, the new Doctor Strange. Um they're not perfect movies. Uh, they're both kind of a mess. Yeah. But at this point in a, in a franchise as big as Marvel, it's like, I'll, I welcome a mess. Yeah. I'll take yeah. that all day long. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so many people just talk about how it just, they just, these, the films don't feel right. And it's like, well, I get what you're saying and, and, I, and I get what you mean. And, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily fault you. But at this point, it's just like, look, man, we've had 20 plus movies that yeah. feel right. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm very much in favor of something that maybe feels a little off. 
yeah, uh, at this it, point. It needs a little mess to it yeah. in, in, a, in a good way. And yeah, I think Thor Love and Thunder particularly has that um, quality. And I think, you know, to a certain extent too, it feels like, I don't know if the MCU is loosening its reins um, on some directors or the, you know, crowds are getting in, but like, it felt like there were definitely some scenes that were like, no, this is not color corrected in the way that we are right. used to with every other movie. His, the, the red was definitely popping in some of those um, yeah. scenes, which was, you know, even that was uh, refreshing. Not to mention there's an entire sequence that's basically black and white. Like that, that itself is. That thing was, yeah. And I thought it was great. I thought yeah. that sequence yeah, was I great. Really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. That, that was a surprise. Um, it, when they went to black and white, I was like, that ah, feels, it felt like an excuse. Sure. But it's always what you do with it. It's that's, that's, yeah. it's always what you do with it. And he found a way to make it, um, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, yeah and the size of that whatever that was the moon the planet or whatever <laughs> i also think played well into it yes it, yes you could see every it felt very much it also like felt like it pulled from video games like it felt hmm. chaotic in the sense that um i i've tried to play super smash brothers and it, it overwhelms me um but it kind of <laughs> had that sense of like there's so much i can see everything and it's all going on um which was exciting as well there was there was a chaos to it that um again, I think was to your point was, was refreshing. Um, and so I do, I'm going to try and, and sort of transition into our topic because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd thrown it out to you like, Hey, what, uh, what would you like to talk about? And you, and you were uh, very generous and, and came up with a lot of different topics, which I always appreciate. Um, not yeah. everybody does that. Uh, and, and one of the things that you, uh, there are a couple different options in regards to the concept of a classic um, movies that were considered classics and now, and now they're not. Um, and in that definition, we're not merely talking about movies that are of a certain age. It's movies right. that are, that are part of the discussion, that sort of thing. God, I hate when I go to like Hulu and I look at class, I don't go there anymore. When, when they just do classics, I'm like, Oh, everything that's black and white or like from, you know, the 1950s and before drives yeah. me up a wall. Just like, no, 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 no. It's, and then Netflix would do it, maybe not so much anymore, but I remember kind of the early days of, of Netflix streaming, their classic sec, uh, you know, section, it was clearly, there was an algorithm. It's like, was it made before 1980? Done. Uh, it's just like Jaws was there. It's like, and I recognize that Jaws is, is not a new movie by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. And people would consider it a classic in the sense of the word that we're talking about, but that is not what they were doing uh, in that instance. It really was just seventies and earlier. It's like Uh, anything before star Wars. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, so the reason that I, that I wanted to, to transition based on what we were just talking about, which is, you know, when a movie is a classic, Mm -hmm. it is considered a classic. Uh, and so it's part of that conversation, like that it's seen as, as a vital film mm-hmm. in, in sort of the annals of, of film history and film discussion. Um, and then it sort of falls out of that. I, I wanted to talk about that first, because I do think that often what, what happens is movies that are, that are classics, there's a certain originality to them. Mm-hmm. And then over time, we all just got used to it. Mm-hmm. Like whether it be maybe that movie, spawned a lot of offshoots 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, and maybe those offshoots even did it a little bit better or did mm-hmm. more with the premise. Um, or in the case, like I'm thinking off the top of my head, um, guess who's coming to dinner, which mm-hmm. is still considered a classic, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly no. as, as big for, I'd say, you know, you and I are, are not, uh, we're not spring chickens anymore, Scott, but even, well, pe- but even people f- our age, mm-hmm. it's not what it was for baby boomers and that sort of thing. And I think mm-hmm. because it had the novelty of its premise mm-hmm. and what it was trying to do and how it was trying to do it, trying to make it kind of a comedy drama. And I think pulling it off for the most part, but at the time it's like, oh my gosh, like, I, I can't believe what this movie's doing. And then it's just like, well, the issue itself is no longer an issue, mm-hmm. which is this interracial marriage. Um, that's not really an issue anymore. And so the the film's primary reason for being, and one of the things that people point to and say like, oh, this is so powerful. It's, it's such a classic. Well, when that reason goes away, mm-hmm. we're left with a perfectly fine movie with some good performances, but uh, not really a classic. Um, and I know that there are people that would push back and say it's absolutely a classic. That's the nature of this conversation. There's always going to be mm-hmm. people that yeah. say that, but I do, but I'm intrigued at this, at, at the notion of like a movie that was considered a classic or vital or part of the conversation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then suddenly is, is not. Yeah. Um, and the example you gave in your, in your email was the deer hunter. And I feel like that's a perfect, that is a perfect example. Boy, coming up, uh, when we did, it was, it was the Godfather. It was, um, 2001. It was, um, you know, apocalypse now, um, basically Coppola, but it was, and the deer hunter was right there with it. Yeah. And it has just, I hear more, here's the weird thing. I hear more about heaven's gate. Now heaven's gate is getting more of a reassessment now. Yeah. And everyone just like, the deer hunter like yeah i think it i don't and i don't know why um i saw it a while ago um it is what it is Uh, like it's just such i don't want to say an experience it it what it does it does what it explores i guess i should say it it explores well um but it's just so dour i think maybe part of it in, in its execution that you're not really that it just hasn't been able to transcend and i don't know that it brought anything um other than other than maybe that dourness maybe mm-hmm. that's what kind of people were just like i haven't experienced something this oppressive and sad and uh yeah just overwhelming uh in that regard um ever maybe i don't know uh, it was the 70s so there was that but um but yeah it just has completely left the conversation and um I, i'm just I, i'm so that made me think of like what what is left um what will leave what's coming like i, I don't even i was thinking also like what even since our lifetime is has has been put on this list and I came up with just a couple, but yeah, um, it's, yeah. Some someone asked me the other day. Um, our our nanny actually. Uh, we we're uh, the kids were asleep, and so I was getting coffee, and she we were, she was asking me about movies, and she said like, 
It's like, are there any movies made like in the last 10 years that you think are going to be classes? It's like, well, yes, there, there always will be always. Yes. Yeah. That, that goes without we- saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I don't think I'm the one to predict mm-hmm. it because yeah. when you're, when you're as, as plugged into the, the critic world, the nerd world, the academic world as I am, um, you completely lose perspective mm-hmm. on classics because I don't think classics, unlike, you know, a genre movie, I don't think classics are determined by critics. I think it's usually determined by a combination of prestige box office and, and ultimately I think nostalgia. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, there's certainly those nostalgia ones, which I, I hope we'll get to, but yeah, I feel, I feel like there's several ways and several tiers of classics. Cause mm. I think for the same thing, I always tried to like, you know, when I was deep into music school, I was like, man, Schumann is so important as a composer. And I'm like, no one thinks about Robert Schumann outside of like music school. And right. no one, no one, really knows what he brought and like the, the the evolutionary steps that he made in terms of music and all that sort of stuff that I learned about music so I was like wow he's so important he's right up there I'm like no yes but no he's yeah. he's not Beethoven he's not Bach he's not Mozart and Schoenberg might be the other one but no one's going to listen to Schoenberg like with regularity correct maybe I don't want to know that person um <laughs> oh <laughs> Uh, but th- it's that sort of level of there, there is the list that, you know, academically you can, we can create, but there's also, you know, the, the, the ones that, um, you know, the example I put on this hook, I feel like we don't have a choice anymore, Tyler, and we'll get, I'm sure we'll get there, but I feel like that's one that's going to be there regardless of what you might say and what I might now I might, uh, might or might not feel, but, but I want to go back to dear Hannah. Why do you have a inkling of why it's not? I, I do. I think, uh, you know, 78 Vietnam mm-hmm. had only ended relatively recently mm-hmm. and there, there weren't, there were some movies that, that addressed it, but this was a, big high profile kind of epic movie yeah. that that is sort of that dour tone and explores some of the some of the deeper ramifications of Vietnam on the soldiers on the country uh, and I think there was a certain novelty to that and so that's why it gets best picture it's why it mm-hmm. gets best director mm-hmm. and why it's considered this really amazing movie then we get apocalypse now mm-hmm. then we get platoon then we get Full Metal Jacket mm-hmm. uh, and, and any number of other movies about Vietnam. That It's that idea of like, you know, the deer hunter, the, the deer hunter walked so that uh, Apocalypse Now could run, you know. Um, yeah. I'd say all of those other movies, because I think the deer hunter is pretty good, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the, the you know, the, the grunt's eye view of things that you get from platoon or full metal jacket nor does it get the just over the top operatic mm-hmm. um largely philosophical quality of apocalypse now it's yeah. sort of a combination of those two things but those two things are done maybe not even better but done more completely in later movies so i uh, confession to make i have uh not seen full metal jacket um but I, the one thing I was going to say was maybe Deer Hunter deserves a 
um, reassessment again um, sure. because of the PTSD that it pro- that it probably explores that we weren't. Yes, but I'm I'm not sure that it's again I haven't seen, but it sounds like Full Metal Jacket also kind of explores that in a. A little, not, not in a retrospect kind of thing. Cause I would say deer hunter, it shouldn't be discussed in the same way that it, that like, it shouldn't be talked about in the same conversation as platoon or apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Now it should be discussed in the same conversation as uh, the best years of our lives or, or a movie that came out that same year coming home, which starred John Voight and Jane Fonda um, Mm -hmm. about that, uh, you know, veterans coming or, or, or born on the 4th of July, like the, the veteran plight, um, mm-hmm. coming back from, from a war. Now, obviously there's, there are still war scenes in the deer hunters. So that's a little bit different, but, um, but yeah, I feel like assessing it not for like, Oh, it's this amazing Vietnam movie. It's like, no, it's a, it's a movie about veterans. And I feel mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah. looking at it that way, I don't know if it will ever be a, a vital part of the conversation, but it will be a vital part of that conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, don't yeah, think... I definitely don't think it's, I don't think it's considered a, a classic anymore. And for a while it no. was a, a film that people like, Oh, you got to see it. you got to see it. But conversely, uh, um, Full Metal Jacket, I feel like has only raised an estimation uh, yeah. since I was, I, I wrote down that, Full Metal Jacket and The Shining were kind of on the same le- level as uh, Kubrick's Lolita, where everyone was sure. like, uh, "They're they're good. They have their problems." Now, no one's no one's touching Lolita at this point. Uh, sure. Film. Uh, th- yeah. Um, I still haven't seen it. I feel like I I, I feel like I need to, except maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's. It, I mean, it sounds red hot, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and just my kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have I not read the room correctly? Um, <laughs> sorry, go on. Um, but Full Metal Jacket, like I, what I what I know about it, what I knew about it, growing, you know, coming up again was first half great, second half not great. And that was like that was that was the the consensus, right. and I don't hear that anymore. Like I don't hear it being split in that way, and I only hear about like Full Metal Jacket. Now we're like, you know, 2001, on the same level, 2001, Clockwork Orange. Um, and same with The Shining. The Shining was just lesser. And that is, it is sure. no longer lesser. It is. Right. Yeah, it's, it's one of his masterpieces. And I guess, you know, going even further, like everyone is, you know, talking about quick ones added to the list, like Eyes Wide Shut is, yeah. I would say, a classic at this point. Uh, considered a classic at this point well probably because of his death yes and 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 i think like just the the he'd been working on it for so long and it starred like tom cruise these two big movie stars who were married at the time Mm -hmm. it it's just so so strange and and some people really hated it because they just didn't know what to expect i can't totally blame them um i can say that i call that my uh 3 a.m movie because i don't i don't get high um (laughs) And so I just like, you, you, you need to be in a certain state. So if you're like awake at 3 a.m., like full on, you know, eyes wide shut and Magnolia is another one where I'm just like, it's better if I'm like in an altered state as sure. much as I can be to, to view these because they, they take you on a trip 
Um, That's for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it was based on trauma, so dreams. So it just, it's all, anyway, yeah, that's that's my uh, take on uh, when to watch Eyes Wide Shut. Now, I have not seen it since the theater. So that's oh, 20, wow. that's 23 years uh, since I last saw it. I, I was 17 at the time. I, I loved it. <laughs> um, but I think I'd probably have a deeper under, a deeper appreciation for it now. Um, yeah, that's, and, that's one that's definitely, you know, we all, we all have those ones. That one's definitely worth a, a revisit. Like it is, it, I have no the, doubt. The, the, it literally casts a spell. Like there's just something about it that, you know, the short story I think is called Trauma Eyes, Dreams. And like, it, it literally creates that headspace where you're, where you're, you're not sure what's real and what isn't. And obviously Tom Cruise isn't either. And it, it just, it, it gets that sense better than most any other movie, I think. And, and it doesn't, obviously, because he's such a master, it doesn't announce itself in any way. Right. It's doing that. It just does it. And you, you kind of wake, you kind of wake up from the movie when it's over. Um, and it's so interesting because, you know, when you see something like 2001, a space odyssey, you know, that Kubrick is, and, and I even throw the shining in there, you know, that Kubrick is more than capable of really actively and overtly incorporating like metaphysical elements into things mm-hmm. right. that get, that get you to question what's real, but eyes wide shut. There's certainly a, a certain deliberateness of pace, but like mm-hmm. it, it all feels very straightforward. And yes, yes. even <laughs> within that, it, it feels straightforward in the way that like everything makes sense in a dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's just, he just presents these outlandish images with the same matter of factness as he does the everyday images. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually more unnerving. Mm-hmm. It's weird to be talking about this in a, about a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but it is a film that makes an impression, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I actually will bring up another Kubrick film because mm-hmm. in my lifetime, mm-hmm. people went from, talk to, from really not talking about Barry Lyndon mm-hmm. at all. Yeah to some to like you know shows up on the criterion collection but i don't think it's purely that i think that can be part of it but Mm -hmm. i do think that it's just a film that people like i think film nerds once they're like okay well i like kubrick so i want to watch everything he's made what's this barry linden movie Mm -hmm. and then they're like this is amazing like yes Mm -hmm. it's 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 wedged in between a clockwork orange and the shining kind of these more sort of in your face kind of movies. Mm-hmm. And this one is, is a little bit more subtle and, and more uh, visually beautiful in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, and I can, I, I feel like that is a conversation that has started really like in, in the, only in the last 10 to 15 years, as far as I yeah. can remember, because yep. mm-hmm. it was not talked about at all. In fact, if it was talked about at all, it was seen as like a, a forgotten Kubrick, a, a lesser, certainly a lesser Kubrick. Yes, but... but I, but I think like, but, the, but, but I think people wrestled with how technically accomplished it was. And like, sure. cause I, oh, that's like, it's lit by candlelight. Like that mm-hmm. was the tagline for Barry Lyndon for me, mm-hmm. Barry Lyndon lit by candlelight. And so that it was that kind of level that people just kept on, I think, seeing it over and over again, like to, to figure out how he did it. And then just kind of um, that, that, that's one where I think part of the execution of it is what, uh, got people to watch it enough to kind of reassess 
Yeah, because yeah, I have that one as a kind of a split between. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I unfortunately have only ever watched it on a plane, and like oh, I'm boy. like yeah, well it was. I, I had one part of it right. I was like, oh, it's a long movie and this is a long flight. It was our first, like, trans, like we've gone to Europe for the first time. And then I got done with it. I was like, still haven't really seen that because just a, just a small screen in one of the most sumptuous movies uh, put to film um, and just didn't quite, don't think that, uh, that I did the, any justice viewing it that way. That's what I'll say. I, I have, I have, uh, I've adopted that mentality from time to time, not in a while mm-hmm. where yeah. it's like, Hey, I'm on, I'm on a long flight. This is a long yeah. movie. Makes sense to me, uh, regardless yeah. of what the movie's about. And invariably it's just like, what, what, what are you doing? And like flights are for when you catch up on movies that you didn't have, yeah. that you didn't make the time to see yep. in the first place. Yep. Yep. Like, the guilty pleasures or, you know, justice league, uh, long and brainless. That's uh, about, yes. Sometimes, <laughs> mercifully, you get both a long movie that is that was not worth your time in the first place. Um, but yeah, and in some cases, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to watch a movie to take a risk on a movie that a friend yes. recommends, uh, uh, like uh, Wrath of God, uh, well, Wrath of Man, Wrath pardon of me, man. yeah, Wrath of Man, pardon me, yeah. Um, uh, a film that I I saw only because you recommended it, and I and I wound up uh, liking it quite a bit. It's a great, and this is probably damning with faint praise. It's a great plane movie, but yeah. but I I do feel like I probably would have enjoyed it in the theater as well. Yeah, that's one. I think I'm putting that up there with like The Departed. Um, hmm. or play, like I I've never watched Departed in my house. Like I, I, it's almost a rule for me. Like I, if it's available for download on any of my streaming services and I'm traveling soon, I will download the departed knowing that if I just don't want to pay attention to anything, I can always put that on. Um, Fascinating. And I think the wrath, the wrath of man is also now up there, even though it's not fun. Um, but it is somehow like, anyway, it's, I don't want to get sidetracked on. That's a, yeah, that's a tough one. It's not fun. And yet like and yet, it's, it's a very serious tone. Oh man, it and is And yet so, somehow, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. That was that was what got me about it. I was just like, this is this is very, very serious. Like it, it's it's biblical in in how it goes about itself, which yeah. is not something I think to describe Guy Ritchie ever. <laughs> ever. Um, but for this one it, it works. Um, but yeah. You're so talking I, about the director of Aladdin, I think. <laughs> I think he made that one. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Um I yeah, those those one-offs when when you get someone uh, doing the doing the hired gun type thing just always bother my mind. But yeah, all right. So I have a couple other that reassessed going different okay. directions. Okay. Um, or maybe just popped up. Uh, Gone with the wind. I feel like is kind of what you were talking about at the top is mm-hmm. a movie that kind of did what it did and did it well and did it larger than anyone had ever seen before but now i think we have to question like is it representing everything in a way that's useful for society at large and if not then is is there something else we can point to that can teach us the same lessons in terms of scope and filmmaking and the answer is yes there's tons uh you know lawrence of arabia would be one that i would think would yeah much better uh 
top to bottom. Um, and so I, I think, but, but kind of jumping to the other point, I, I, in my email, I also talked about, I think there's critical, popular and cultural classics. Mm -hmm. And I think Gone with the Wind is like a cultural classic. Like if you haven't seen Gone with the Wind to this day, you, you should. Like that's, that's where the culture is. Like that, that's like yes. the culture decided, this is a movie. Basically the culture is like, this is a movie. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, and doesn't ask questions after that. So I'm, I'm currently uh, teaching uh, a, a, for a program that is a, what I, what's been referred to as a study tour where uh, high school students from other countries come into Los Angeles mm -hmm. for like a week or two and they they like take like the first half of the day is spent taking a class about mm -hmm. filmmaking about history of film uh that's what i do i teach that class and then in the afternoons they go on an excursion they go to visit a, a film studio or something like that um and today was my my first day this year doing it i do it every summer oh. when when there's you know when people are allowed to fly to other countries. Um, and, and I was talking about Gone with the Wind. Um, I was talking about that and Wizard of Oz. Essentially, I was just talking about 1939 uh, mm. and just sort of the idea that there, you had big movies that were being made in color before color was really like that viable of a thing. Mm -hmm. So, and then, and I showed a clip from, from Gone with the Wind. And uh, one of my students who is from Poland raised his hand and he said, that Gone with the Wind is like the favorite movie of both of his grandfathers. Like he <laughs> specifically phrased it that way. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, so it's, that's a generational thing. Like they're probably, his grandfathers are probably given his age, they're probably in their sixties or seventies. So they're still older. So it's still a vital thing for them, but it is, but that goes into the cultural classic thing that like, I have <laughs> no doubt that his grandfathers told him, if, if it's enough that he remembers that, right. they've probably talked about it a lot. And yep. it's Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, Citizen Kane. There are yep. a handful where it's like, look, you've got to see it. Yeah. Uh, and and it's not a guarantee that people will like it. But it's like, this is, like you said, this is what a movie is. So mm -hmm. get to it. Right. Um, I do think that there's a lot of vitality to just the sheer scope of, sure. of Gone with the Wind. But but yeah, I, I, I would say it's similar to like Ben-Hur, like mm -hmm. these yeah. were the epic movies. Right. They won best picture. They made a ton of money. They got a, you know, they, lots of Oscars. Um, and then m probably more so gone. I think gone with the wind. Yes. There's the sort of the sociopolitical and, and cultural mm -hmm. conversations to be had around it. But as a movie, I think that one has endured a little bit more than Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur, because yeah. it's, 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 first off, it's great. Ben-Hur is a great movie, but it's part of this sword and sandal tradition that was, of those. there was like, it was such a, a movie of its time. And outside of Gladiator, we kind of moved away from that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that got sort of thrown out. But for a long time, yeah, Ben-Hur, that's, hey, it's a classic. You got to see it. And I don't, even amongst film people who are completists, I don't yeah. really hear anybody saying that Ben-Hur is a movie you've got to see. Yeah, I think, I think it's, I think I think it's Gone with the Wind because of its age. Sure. Like 1939. And then it's Lawrence of Arabia. And then, God help us, maybe Gladiator. Um, 
maybe. I don't know. I I can't. I have to recuse myself from speaking about Ridley Scott outside of Alien. Ah, yes. Uh, yes, <laughs> this is this is my uh, Will Patton uh, correlation. I- <laughs> I came around. Well, I didn't really come around on Will Patton. It's more that he, I think, became a, a more interesting actor as he got older. But, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, this is. I'm I'm excited that we ha- headed down this path because uh, for as long as I as long as I have known you, yeah, yeah you have had mixed feelings at best, at best about yeah. about Ridley Scott. It really started here. here and I go. caught up, I caught up to you by the way. I think I'm with you. Okay. I, I did what what, uh, uh, what was his most recent uh, the last duel, okay, ninety percent on board, okay. Then again, I, I just think he's I can't believe we're talking about this. I, I just think he can't contain himself um, okay. when it comes to violence and gore. Like he just needs to show it, and. That has always, it's always taken me out of it in most of his movies. And, and because he wants to be, and maybe it's, it, he wants to be so high-minded and he often is, but then he'll just like come in. And, and that's why I prefer a guy that says so, Tony, because Tony knew who he was. Yes. Tony was like, this is what I do. I do it well, I move on to the next one. And some are better than others, but Ridley has this, this high-minded sense of himself and what he's doing. And then this like B movie, you know, stuff comes in. I'm just like, Oh, can we just not? And there were a couple yeah. of moments in like the, the, the literally the last duel where I was just like, do we, do we need that? Do we need to see his teeth grinding on the sword or the spear? I forget what it was. Wait, it was really? Like, yes. I still There's haven't seen it. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's like, and again, it's actually most of it's very, very good. Um, he he has that because again, I think Alien is a perfect movie. Um, yeah, that's a classic. All right, let's just let's just put that sure. down there. Um, but there was a control that he had over tone and everything else that I just feel like he lost interest in, like he was an artist. He, you know, I, I don't know what medium he worked in, but he was like a visual artist of some yeah. sort. And he was bringing that to his films. And I just feel like he, he lost that. And anyway, he just, yes, that's my Ridley Scott rant. Um, and you know, it's sorry, everyone. Along, along, along those lines, I, I feel like, you know, when talking about classics, I mean, we just did it with, with Kubrick who, it has been established as like one of the best directors of all time. And that's not a new conversation, but it's been such, it's been so accepted that I do think that that led people to think like, okay, well, what have we not seen or what mm-hmm. have we not watched in a while? And maybe yeah, we can reassess. Yeah. And so somebody like, <clears throat> like a Ridley Scott, who I've always seen as something of a, a kind of a journeyman director, honestly, the fact that mm-hmm. he could do the last duel and house of Gucci in the same year. And it's like, they, I, I didn't see the last duel, but I did see house of Gucci. And as far as I can tell, they're very different. Um, and that he could, and that he can do sort of these sort of high-minded films and mm-hmm. then turn around and do very crowd pleasing movies like the Martian. The Martian is a very good movie. I, I don't really, I, I, again, I love the Martian. The Martian is is up there. There's that one scene where he has to stitch himself up. And oh just, yeah, 
you know and it's just it's that that's what i'm talking about it's like in other movies it comes in too strongly and ruins it but i i love the martian i always forget that that's him i do love that movie yeah we tend to forget when a movie is is done by a journeyman like there are movies like that movie body of lies with Mm -hmm. uh dicaprio and russell crowe and it's just like i was thinking about it the others like oh yeah like i forgot that he that he made it um but yeah and so uh but along those lines i wanted to to go back and talk about about alien because Mm -hmm. when i was growing up Mm -hmm. the and in fact, uh, this is a conversation that was kind of sort of had uh, last week on the podcast. Um, <clears throat> the The conversation, even so much as, even so much so that like in a movie book that I owned, um, it was like Entertainment Weekly's like top 100 movies, like in each genre or category. Um, and then they would give like a little like half paragraph, like blurb, not about the story, but about sort of what its inclusion on the list. Um and under like sci-fi uh, or horror sci-fi, uh, both Alien and Aliens were on that list. Um, and Aliens was ranked higher. And in the in the description, they said like, this is an instance of a movie that leaves its predecessor in the cinematic dust. Whoa! And I and 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 I remember also having one of those giant thick books of like movie reviews. It was like the HBO Guide to Movies. Uh, Love and, that. And it was, oh, um, I mean, it was huge for me, honestly. Um, and that, that's the kind of, like, here's the, sorry, old, old. Here's yeah. what we're losing is that browsing culture. Those, those like, an afternoon could be lost in those. Yes. Just, oh, just many afternoons were lost. Yes. Flipping. And I guess that's what the internet's for now. But you were, you were more focused on, like, one thing, and you're just like, oh, okay, well, I want to see that. Like, you yeah. were creating in your own encyclopedia. Sorry. Uh, that's that's about right. Yeah. Um, and and so I looked up in, in that book. Uh, Aliens was on a five star um, spectrum. Aliens was rated like four and a half. Alien was rated three. And and the person who wrote it. So these are two separate things yeah. that I read. And the fir- and in the book, it, it said like the film really is is a very beautiful version of like an Agatha Christie story of, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there were none. And it's one of those things. It's just like, huh, that's interesting. And so like when, when you and I were, were younger and maybe it's just that we, when we, we just started hanging out with different people who who value different things, but the idea of aliens blowing away alien um, was, was sort of, that was kind of the, the given conversation at least amongst a lot of the people that i knew um and i think now you're more likely to find people i think people will acknowledge that both of them are classics but Mm -hmm. um but i think the conversation has has shifted where people stop thinking in terms of better or worse and they just see how different they are Yeah. yeah um but that they also and in doing so what they're essentially doing is appreciating alien for what it actually is mm-hmm. um, instead of a much more crowd-pleasing rollicking kind of movie yeah. like Aliens. That's, that's not a terrible description of, you know, likening it to an Agatha Christie novel. It's actually yeah. kind of, it's kind of great. Um, but I think that's one of the things that, that I've had to come, 
I don't want to say, well, I'm going to say it because I don't know, but to, to terms of to grips with is just like, sometimes it's the simple act of execution and how well something is executed yeah. that, that moves it up or down. And I think yeah. Alien is, now Alien also has this rich text. That was one of the, like, I read an article about it and that was one of the first articles that really like taught me like, okay, there can be, to, to really analyze movies. And they were talking about how, how much it is from, um, a female perspective in terms of sure. just like the penetration and the birthing and all this sort of stuff. I was like, Oh, I never, it's not something I would have, you know, just watching it that many people are thinking about, but that's there. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those things as soon as you know it, but also it's it, the way that it's executed. I also think of this with, you know, Raiders of the lost Ark, which is a classic. Yeah. And you're like, well, you've seen adventure movies, but, and then you're like, but you haven't seen you haven't seen this and still right to this day. Yeah. Raiders is like the Raiders, essence of adventure. I even, I, you know, growing up, you know, I'm sure you're, I'm guessing you're probably the same. Like, um, uh, what's the third one? I'm lacking. La- Last crusade. Last crusade. Like that was the one that was on heavy rotation, mm-hmm. um, in my household. Um, and I watched them both recently back to back and even um last crusade those what i remember being such exciting and long um choreographed fight sequences and they they're so much shorter and so much more abbreviated than than what happens in raiders it was yeah kind of astounding i was like oh raiders really does go on forever in a way that is just thrilling (laughs) Yeah, it's I mean, I genuinely feel like if you watch all three, Mm -hmm. apparently there's a fourth one. But when you watch all three, you do see you do see Spielberg. This sounds negative. It's not that he's losing his edge. It's that he's becoming interested in different things. Mm -hmm. He's getting older Mm -hmm. as a person. I think when you're younger, like trying to trying to just like make a film that's all style, that's just like the essence of a genre. That's a young man's game. Yeah. Uh, and as he gets older, suddenly yeah. it's just like nobody was tuning into the first two Indiana Jones movies to like find out more about the character. We love the character almost precisely because he was two dimensional. Right. But Spielberg historically is fascinated by father stuff mm-hmm. in in his movies. And he started to bring it into uh, the Indiana Jones films. And I think he so it does feel like there's a lot less of of that edge and just that pure celebration of movie making yeah uh, it felt like he was trying to like do something yeah. uh with last crusade which is something that always kind of bothers me um oh, okay. i of the three i definitely it's it's my least favorite of of them because it feels oh, it feels so much you know so much more edge less mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah, and so um, <clears throat> speaking of Spielberg. Yeah. All right. So you were talking about Hook. And I think I, I, I think we so, can pivot. You know, obviously this has been kind of a kind of a a broad discussion, kind of weaving in and out of things. Yeah. Uh, and so the idea of of, you know, you've got your cultural classics, um, then you have like generational classics. Mm-hmm. Um and so people of a certain generation and that's, it's, it's, I guess where nostalgia comes into play. It's mm-hmm. ultimately like P- 
people were raised watching this movie. Yeah. They were kids, so they didn't know any better. Uh, and then they get older and they think back on the movies that defined their childhood, this wonderful time in their life that they wish they could return to. And mm-hmm. sure enough, there's Hook. There's Willow. There's, you know, right. those well, kinds but- of movies that maybe aren't that good. But it's what they represent for us. Like older, like critics didn't like it. Older people didn't like it. It was right. for kids, and now the kids right. are grown-ups, and so it has ridden on their shoulders. And now here it is considered a classic. Yeah, this is this is the hardest for me. So, I, I, so full disclosure, um, I have also recused myself from a conversation about folk. Everyone who I, everyone whose opinion I value, tells me it's terrible, mm-hmm. and everyone whose opinion I'm indifferent to loves it yeah i cannot see how it's terrible but i trust the voices that are that are telling me that it is and so i just don't i I remain mute on it um i still watch it occasionally i still enjoy it um but i but also at the same time it's what whatever you had to say about it tyler i don't think matters but no, I, think, I know. I think that the tide is just like, yeah, bringing hook right up to shore and just landing it. And I do think that, and and I actually, I also don't think it's terrible. I think that there's some nice visual design. I think John Williams' mm-hmm. music is a lot of fun. Uh, Dustin Hoffman clearly having the time of his life, um, and Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Yeah, like, exactly. That was my. I, I'm trying to think. No, that one couldn't have been my. I must have known him from Roger Rabbit, but sure. Uh, yeah, just I just delight in his performance. Oh, he's, he's great. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't think I don't think it's a terrible movie. I don't think it's irredeemable. But like to hear people our age just talk about it as though it were on it's on the level of aforementioned Roger Rabbit or like mm-hmm. Ghostbusters is like, slow down, yeah. guys, yeah. come on. Um, it's and it's and it's tough to know, like how much of it it's it's tough to like try to separate yourself from the nostalgia and ultimately you really can't and so for that reason yeah i do think that it is a classic but it is a generational classic yes which means eventually it will become an actual classic an actual cultural classic because everybody that didn't like it will pass away eventually (laughs) but 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 it has to pass on to the next generation i don't know um that that's going to happen with that Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, what a generational classic, I think, um, is also Breakfast at Tiffany's, which uh, has been discussed in this sure. podcast fairly recently. And that's one I have, that's one that I, it's so scary because people are like, oh, I've never seen that. I really should. And I'm like, you really, really shouldn't. Like, <laughs> I, I do not. And I was, I think I was in middle school when I saw it. I'm 42 now. I don't know if I've said that. Like, I was in middle school and even then, I was like, "This Mickey or Mickey Mickey Rooney, not Mickey or Mickey Rooney, uh, landlord is is problematic." And and that's all that I took away from the movie. So I'm right. I'm just telling everyone, I, I know that you feel like the culture is telling you to watch it, but the culture hasn't seen it in a while. I feel like too sure, <laughs> and they haven't come to to reassess it. Um, so yeah, I think, I... There's, I think there's danger as well where something can just kind of come along and you feel pressure to see it and you're just like it's not it's not gonna be healthy yeah and it's and, and so i do think it's we we do need to start uh, wrapping up but this mm-hmm. is definitely a, a conversation that can 
that can continue and and always will continue because that's the nature of it is movies that are sort of falling out of favor uh, that were a big deal at the time Mm -hmm. um, for and falling out for whatever reason and being a big deal at the time for whatever reason. Uh, And then other films emerge because people loved it when they were younger or there's the idea of reassessing. And so then there's the idea, then there's just the fun parlor game of what movies in the last 10 years do we think will be considered classics? Uh, I, I can throw a few out there, but I will say I have, I have no confidence in my ability, understanding that there's, there's a certain populist quality to a movie being considered a classic. I, I don't, I genuinely don't have much confidence in anything I'm about to say. I could not go. I couldn't do 10 years. Okay. I'm looking at my list. I've got nothing. Um, I think the most recent has got to be, uh, there will be blood. That's it's, that's the I, only movie I came out of here is like classic. Yeah, it's. I mean, of that, it's. I think the Dark Knight is going to be considered yeah. a classic. Yes, yeah, you know, part yeah. partially because it's seen as sort of the the height of an emerging genre. That like every movie afterwards is like, all right, are are we as good as the Dark Knight? No, okay, well, we'll just do what we can. Not to suggest that I think the Dark Knight it, Dark Knight is a a perfect movie, but I think it came out at a specific time and it Mm -hmm. was a specific Mm -hmm. kind of good Mm -hmm. that I think people really remember that a certain way. Um, And it's probably because of the, the, the book that we put out the 101 best movies of the 2010s that does get me a little bit more tuned in to to the last decade. But even then, like I I would, I would instinctively say like, Oh, Mad Max. I don't know. Like it didn't do great at the box office. It's mm-hmm. a film that I think a lot of people acknowledge as good, but I also don't know that many normies that have seen it. And mm, it, it, it might be a film that people sort of have to discover over time. And when they do, they'll be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, and certainly the Academy really appreciated it and critics really loved it. But I, so I'd instinctively say that, but I really don't even know about that one. Yeah, that one, that one's interesting in a, couple levels one of them is i just don't know how much we were reacting to hey so first off that's that's one of the few movies that you know i said nothing can rival raiders that rivals raiders like there's sequence and then sequences in that that i'm like he he took lessons from from raiders obviously but what how much of that reaction was a re was was addressing the state of cgi in movies and kind of, kind of like my, my response to Talladega Nights. Like, I was so sick of seeing one thing. Here came this thing right. that showed me, yes, this is what I want. And that, that's kind of the mirror of that. Just, you know, we're so sick of CGI and nothing being tangible. Here's something that feels very, very tangible. Um, and will, will the, the thrill ride of it carry it through? Um, so, yeah, that's... I I'd say that's, a, that's about right. Like, it's... it's yeah. You know, the film is maybe is trying to do some things, I think, from a thematic standpoint, but it is, I mean, just, you know, the term's overused a little bit and it's a little bit uh, ambiguous, but it's just pure cinema. And I would suggest that that um, Raiders is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a, I, you know, I, I pulled up on Letterboxd, I pulled up like the 2010s, just like as a decade and just like, yeah. just to be able to visualize some stuff. 
I, and again, I, I really have no idea, but Whiplash is a movie that comes up a lot. I have that too. I know. And I just, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. I don't, I'm not confident in that love. Um, it's, it's, it, it just hit so many pleasure points and that, that's instantaneous. My guard goes up. Like, can I, can I enjoy something this much uh, and have it be, I mean, the answer sometimes is yes, but yeah. I, uh, I wrestle with it. And it's a film that I always show in my aesthetics class, usually at the beginning of the class, uh, because I know it's a movie that like those, my students probably haven't seen and probably wouldn't give it a, give it a second look. So I show it to kind of illustrate, like, this is just a small drama and most people don't like small dramas, but how many of you enjoyed it? And, and so many, mm -hmm. and all of my students like it. It is yeah. just, it's a really hard movie not to like, even if it is stressful and intense and all that sort of thing. It's still, it's such an engaging film. Um, I remember, I'm sure I've told this on the podcast before, but uh, <clears throat> I was teaching in the, a class in the fall and we came back from uh, the Thanksgiving break. And so I, started my next class the way I always do uh, saying like, what movies have you seen lately? And uh, one of my students said, oh, I saw whiplash again, uh, five times. And I said like, what? Like just over Thanksgiving. And he said, and he goes, well, he goes, I love it so much. And I wanted to show it to all of my relatives. So I just watched it with them like five times. It's like, shit, man. Like that's, wow. that's more than I was expecting, but that does speak to, I think just the, the film, if somebody finds it, that's the question. Will people yes. find it that yeah, don't already that, know about right. it? And that's, that's also, you know, kind of the flip side of this is the things that I'm terrified that we're losing. Um, I, you know, I hold the fugitive near and dear and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm uncertain whether that will uh, be passed down. You've tried to um, console me. Um, I'm not sure I'm convinced yet. I've, sh I've showed it to a, a class before. They all really liked it, but it is one of those movies that like it was, it was huge at the time, but it gets eclipsed by other things yeah. in that era. And it's just such a perfect version of what it is, but yeah. what it is, is seen as just like a, just a good old fashioned entertainment for grownups and entertainment for grownups doesn't really have the longevity that it used to. Yeah. Um, no, and it, yeah, yeah it, I mean, it breaks my heart because I do yeah. love it. Um, yeah. But yeah, there was a time when like everyone I knew had seen The Fugitive. And then as I got to know people a little bit younger um, and then eventually even movie people that haven't seen it because it's not seen as vital. No. Um, yeah. Like, oh, you got to see it. Now, don't get me wrong. I think people do got to see it, mm -hmm. but that's not something that people are really saying much anymore. So I, I took your recommendation and uh, went to Letterboxd as well. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to add two. Um, okay. Under the Skin. I, is, is, are enough people going to see it? But I think it's one of those that like, it, it, I'll add that as a 3 a.m. movie. Um, well, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> like, no argument um, here. Yeah. That, that it just it it casts a spell and a terrifying and just that music like it's it's so sensory um that um i think i think i think people will find it i don't know and and the other one i will go hard for um is 
Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Hmm. Um, I, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I, you, again, for things I hold dear, I held uh, Roger Ebert very dear. Nice. Um, he, he was the voice that I, a lot of frustration with my, with a lot of critics was, uh, you know, reading the reader. I understand Jonathan Rosenbaum, new, new movies in and out. Um, yeah. I'd never got the sense that he truly enjoyed them. Um, <laughs> That's, that is, he's a wonderful, he's a wonderful writer and very yeah. insightful, but I, I do often feel like, are you in pain? Yeah. Even when praising a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I was, I was constantly seeking that and I don't know how I just happened upon Roger Ebert and just fell in love with everything he did. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was the first movie where I was like, I wish, I wish I could have read Ebert's review hmm. about this, the visual, uh, the dynamics of it, but just also the, the way that it is. Um, it's, it's, it's a fit. It's a fail proof recommendation for me. Hmm. it doesn't it has yet to fail and i'm telling people who like hey it's a cartoon movie i know um you're a 50 year old adult still telling you and it still it hasn't failed um the story that it tells um is just it's touching like i'm not going to go into reveals in every way but it it has a heart to it that you're surprised by it's not going to make you cry but it has twists and turns that you're not quite expecting in a, in, and, and human drama in a, in a way that you're not expecting. Um, and just the overall imagination of its structure, how it goes about it, the daring choices that it makes. I cannot, um, I think I, I submitted to your 2010s list and I put it as number three and it's probably me holding back. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that one is gonna... Mm. That's for me. That's one. Also, that's, okay. I, speaking of the 2010s book, I realized the problem for me in that book is I cannot. I open it up, and the first movie that you know, number what 100? It was the 100. It's 101. 101. So movie 101, I hadn't seen. So I immediately had to close it. I was like, I can't do this until I see that. Like I have to have seen them. Like I can't skip. I, it's it's tough. Uh, like when I wrote about when when I wrote, it's like, well, these are retrospective discussions, uh-huh. so I can speak in spoilers, I suppose. Yeah. It's like, but will I want to? Like, this is also a book of recommendations, hypothetically. Yeah. And in the end, I think I I tried to avoid them where I could, mm-hmm. but I also tried to think in terms of like. Yeah, this is this is a book in retrospect, and yeah. and I don't think anybody would would ever expect to have read to have seen all of those films. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's just like okay, well, I'm just gonna move forward and and start reading it uh, reading it anyway. But yes, when you haven't seen the very first one, it definitely <laughs> yeah. does not get because I haven't seen yeah. all the films in that book. Sure. Um, and when you yeah, when you don't see the first one, it's like well, we start we start poorly already. Um, I already feel like a failure. Um, speaking of, of movies that I think, um, you know, movies that I think did well uh, in, in that book on that, on that list, there's a couple that, again, I, I have no idea. I think Get Out has strong classic potential. 
it made a lot of money. It was very well received. It's of the moment. It's it, yes. Um, and so I do think that it's something that that people. I don't know. It's it's one that like I, I showed it in a class. Uh, or sorry, I was going to show it in a class. Everyone, all my students had already seen it. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's, okay. That's a, yeah, I, wa I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. So I, think, I pivoted to something else. I think for me, I'm I'm aligned. I think David with David on this one is I'm I'm a bigger us fan. Um, because I, I listen, first time movies have been there's one on my list. The 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 no questions asked, de facto classic, as soon as it came out, it's lasted is pulp fiction. Sure. Um, but it wasn't his debut. Let me correct myself. Wasn't wasn't it wasn't his debut. So it's that that movie to me feels like so much of a debut and, and there's so much of a sure hand that it's hard for me. I think you're right. It's just hard for me personally to see sure. see past that. But that's not what that's not the conversation we're having. We're having like what is what is now? What are people talking about? And yeah. what what's it gonna be? I guess my other question is what what have people grown up with like I, I, like are like you know what? I don't know. I'm like a Zenny or I'm like a between. Like, yeah. With us, it was the 1970s. Like, what did people grow up with who were like 10 years younger than us? Was it still this? Like, is it still the Godfather? Is that still? It can't be. Like, what I, are the yeah. ones that people were like pointing to and like, well, these are the classics. Like, we just listed them off because it was easy because it was like what you came up with. Yeah. You carried these movies with you throughout your life and you check them off the boxes as you saw them and the ones that you didn't, you still hold tremendous guilt over, et cetera, et cetera. But what are those for? That's what, that's the big question for me. I do think that it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing. Cause when you get into generations film going, mm -hmm. what films got made and then right. the films that everyone went to see changed right about the time we were born. Uh, you're, you're a few years older yeah. than, than me, but still like, it's yeah. honestly like, yeah, Jaws and Star Wars mm -hmm. and then Raider Raiders and ET, like they all kicked off this Cameron Zemeckis Spielberg Lucas, uh, yeah. era in American filmmaking and suddenly, and shortly thereafter, you've got the PG 13 rating. Uh, mm. and suddenly the idea of if a film's going to do well, we should rate it PG-13. So everything starts to be aimed at a slightly younger demographic and sometimes a dramatically younger demographic. And movies aren't really made with adults in mind exclusively mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. So you and I, you know, we think of something like Hulk or Hulk, Hook or Clue. I like Hulk, but I, I didn't grow up with it. Um, yeah. But like Hook or Clue or mm -hmm. Willow or... Roger Rabbit, whatever. These are all movies aimed at a younger audience. Yeah. Um, there were movies aimed at younger people in the 60s and 70s. There always have been, but they just, they they weren't the big ones. Like it was no. movies made for grownups for yeah. the bulk of, of uh, well, maybe not anymore, but for a good portion of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, it was, it was like bigger budget, special effects, PG-13 rating, blockbuster mentality which happened when we were younger. And I think we were probably the first, maybe not the first generation, the first 
I'd say probably people born in the early seventies and were like maybe eight, nine, 10, 11 in mm-hmm. the eighties. Uh, they were the ones that really appreciated that you and I sort of watched this stuff, or at least I did watch this stuff on video, yeah. but I do think that like, you know, when you're talking about generational classics, um, I think that that really plays a part. I think you can really differentiate between, you know, I hate to think like, uh, I hate to think like Netflix, but there's before 1980 and there's after 1980. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, in the 80s, you still had like adult movies doing well at the box mm-hmm. office, but you can start to see the shift and then it really solidifies in the 90s. Yeah. And then and then really just goes completely off the off the rails in the in the 2000s and 2010s as far as like the movies that do well and the movies yeah. that the studios are really behind and that sort of thing. So I will say you know, one that I'll answer my own question. There's one that I think is, and it's Jurassic Park. Oh, um, sure. Some, somebody on your, I hadn't thought of that. And then you were, you were talking to somebody on, on Battleship Pretension. And I was just like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that that was going to be so seminal. Oh, for, uh, yes. You, like, I was like, great. I saw that. That was fantastic. But like, I didn't carry it with me in a way that, um, people now are which i i i you know i've had to do my own reassessment yeah. um of it and like yep that's uh that's another great one by spielberg and i think honestly that's one where i mean it was a big deal at the time and i think a mm-hmm. lot of people really loved it but that's one i would say similar to jaws speaking of spielberg where there were sequels and all the sequels managed to do was affirm how good the <laughs> first one was right yeah yeah and so it's just like well, shit, man. Like, okay, uh, that this this first one was, I guess, a fluke, because even Spielberg couldn't make a good Jurassic Park sequel. Um, oh, no, we couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I do think that that is a way. So uh, so I guess let's look at it this way. Going sort of back to where we started, The Deer Hunter is a movie that was doing stuff people hadn't really seen before, and then other movies came along and did similar things mm. in a more intriguing way. And thus, Deer Hunter moves, it gets sort of, is forgotten as a classic, whereas Apocalypse Now is definitely considered that. Mm -hmm. Um, As opposed to something like Jaws, which its sequels totally tanked, Mm -hmm. and the movies that it spawned, like Piranha, Piranha 2, The Spawning, and Orca, Orca, um, and Alligator, like none of those, some of them are, some of them aren't bad, but they're not Jaws. None of them do it none of them do it better for sure. And they don't even really do it as well. And so that solidifies that. Yes. Jaws is, is a true classic. Same with Jurassic park. Um, So, you know, that idea of like elevation just through comparison. Um, And, and I think that's what can lead something to be considered a a classic as well. Yeah. Um, And maybe that's, maybe that's what, you know, to a certain extent get out was where it it took it to kind of, a different, not necessarily a different level, but a level that was that to to use the BP term, normies could like get on. And uh, that's my like, term. I don't think okay, David has ever enough. really gotten I, behind it. Forgive me, uh, David. <laughs> um, where it, it presented things in a way that you know horror, horror movies. Excuse my East Coast accent. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> I have always had a you know subtext of, of some sort but this was one that um could really be latched onto and and was uh more evident uh, was the point was was the focus of the movie 
yeah. um, in a way. And so people really experienced, you know, what, what, what we, what critics have been talking about um, in terms of horror movies for a while uh, finally came into the public consciousness and, and elevated in a way that, you know, I wouldn't say you're right. Um, it's going to be there. Um, and we'll see. Yeah. And, and the That's only way we could say, yeah, the only way to really know is to like time warp 10 years, 20 years from now. But yeah. even then, the people that we will know will mostly be people our own age, or at least within a few years mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we'll, we'll be talking about get out and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and Parasite and Whiplash. Like we'll be talking about that. And so it really means like, we have to also be paying attention to what younger people yeah. are talking about. Cause that, cause ultimately like a movie is only a classic. If everybody, if it's just carried down and accepted yeah. as a classic through the ages. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things of growing older is a, you have to acknowledge you no longer have a voice in the conversation. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, chime in and, you know, bring what you have, but you also have to continue to be curious yeah. and to learn from, you know, whether you went hooked there or not, like, <laughs> it's there it is and you and you just you just accept it and and learn and learn what it is and and learn what uh learn something from what people are taking from the movies that we might have written off um and you know as as frustrated as i am at the notion of hook being considered a classic i would say i am more frustrated at tombstone being considered a classic I am alo- I'm alone in this. I don't know anybody of our generation who doesn't love Tombstone. I've given it so many chances at various times in my life outside of some good performances. I'd say yeah. specifically Val Kilmer. Val, yeah. There's nothing, that movie does nothing for me. I, I, every time I watch it, I enjoy it, but it doesn't, it's, it's, as soon as it's done, it's done. Yeah. I don't take anything, you know, from it yeah. or with, you know, with me into the next movie, yeah. it's just enjoyed that check. Um, I'll come back again when I need that, but I'm not, you know, I'm not bringing it into any other viewings like, Oh, it's doing this or no. It's yeah. just, it I came out the Val. same year. It came out the same year as unforgiven. I think about <laughs> unforgiven a lot, you I, know, tombstone yeah. is the height of, of Western disposability yes, for me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, man, unforgiven. That's, that's when I've got to, watch again that that is a crafted mm. movie from every from every and i'm not a huge eastwood fan um but that yeah, one, he's, that he's a, hit and miss yeah that one everything he's i think he's a very literal director it is a very literary script and so i kind of make so he was able to the, the script i guess i should say is very straightforward mm-hmm. um and so he was able to it aligned with what he brings to it and then also the depth of the script and uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's when I got to go back to. It's yeah. it, it, ne- that one I've seen many times. It never disappoints. It yeah. only, it only ever grows in my, yeah. in, when I see it. But uh, anyway, so we'll go ahead and, and leave it there. Um, you know, as I said, this is really just the beginning of a conversation. Uh, those of you listening, uh, undoubtedly you have examples of movies that, were considered classics and maybe aren't anymore or movies that you think will be considered classics um, or films that have been reassessed and are, are deemed like worth remembering. Um, you're welcome to incorporate those, uh, you know, into the comment section. 
Um, but yeah, in the meantime, uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, I forgot to do the whole the whole spiel. David usually does the ending where you can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can find David uh, on Twitter uh, at Davy Pretension. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Um, uh, there are various reviews on the website right now, although I guess this episode's going up a little bit later, so I don't know what is is available right now. Um, I'm continuing my my series uh, talking about um, the Daily Wire movies. I saw Shut In, which I gave a, a nominally positive review. Um, and I think by the time, you know what, I'll say this, and that'll wait, it'll, it'll light a fire under me to actually do it. Um, I... By the time you're hearing this, there should be a review of their their Western, speaking of Westerns, uh, called Terror on the Prairie, which is a title I hate because um, you just, just call it the prairie, guys. Come on. Terror on the Prairie. It's like the two words are too similar. You're yeah. you're inspired. You're inviting me to say Terry on the Prairie or Terror on the Prairie. All right. And the a hundred percent, hundred percent Roger. It's the first thing I thought of when I saw that stupid ass title, but, but, uh, you know, I, I'll say this as of recording, I'm like 40 minutes in. It's not bad. It's oh. not bad. Uh, yeah. Um, cause it's directed by one of the Polish brothers and, and I, right. yeah, yeah. And so I'm eager to see where it goes. It could, it could absolutely get worse. Um, or it could get better. Um, but yeah, so that, that review at the very least will be available by the time this episode is up. But, uh, anyway, in the meantime, Scott, thank you so much for being on. This was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I had a great time. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed having me. I sure did. It's always, you know, uh, we've been friends for a long time, so it's always fun. Uh, I'll admit there are a couple moments where I forgot what we were doing. Like I forgot that this was for the podcast and I just thought we were just talking. Yeah. Like, yeah. Thankfully oh, yeah. I did too. Cause I felt very uh, angular at the beginning. Just like, here we go. Sure. It's it, and honestly, just like hosting by myself, even with, with a, a close friend on, like, it's just so you, you come to realize oh, sure. how vital a role the yeah. co-host, your co-host I mean, is when you're trying to do it yourself. Yeah. You know, but, but that's that's why we keep coming is to hear to hear uh, you and David and uh, talk talk about them movies. Damn, th- thank you so much. I appreciate. Oh, I like the idea of you being the voice of the listener, um, and I'm sure the listeners thrilled about. That oh as man, well. they're just they're just tickled pink about that. <laughs> so um, all right, but yes, thank you everybody so much for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye.